there we go. <laughs> get get it out now. Oh man, my throat has been messed up for like a week now, so there might be a few of those moments. Welcome to my world. Yep. Not a JJ reference. <laughs> Buckle up, because if you thought Halloween was scary, you're in for a wild ride tonight. Covert investigations, hush money, the war on terror takes a heel versus heel turn, and somewhere in the midst, CM Punk is throwing a hissy fit. I'm Mitch, joining me is my co-host Jake, and you're listening to the Bingo Hall Boys, the recognized worldwide leaders in talking about sports entertainers. Hey, how you doing? Oh, buddy. Um, I'm okay. I just got lost at an airport. So I got off work and a buddy and I went to go eat at a new restaurant that's at our local airport. And um, one does that sound, is that a thing in America? Like high caliber airport restaurants? No, but they opened up um, a local brewery, opened up a second restaurant at this place. And it was uh, really good, really good. Um, but I don't go out there very often yeah. and I accidentally turned left instead of turning right. And I got in the backwoods real quick. um and which is not a fun feeling to uh whenever you're about to record and you're just like ah i gotta get home okay so you didn't get lost in the physical airport walking around no it's a very small yeah (laughs) it's very small so it's technically an airport at this point but yeah no i'm uh other than that i'm doing okay man work day's done got a nice little dinner got a a cup of water i'm ready to go man how about you yeah i've been fighting off this cold fever flu whatever you want to call it scratchy cheese grater throat thing for over a week now and it's been really hit or miss it goes off and on so not not really sick like i'm functional just you know talking's less enjoyable which is good because that's what i do for a living so like why not you get sympathy from me man i was sick for like all of october so i I, I get it. I'm here for you, man. But, I'll FedEx you some cough drops. Yeah, we do have some big developments. Uh, we closed last week in record time talking about the great anal bead scandal of 2022 in the chess world. And in a nice flair, for, this is just becoming a made-for-TV movie at this point. Oh, yeah, no, no, no. It's, it's, it's going to be a comedy at some point. Seth Rogen will probably direct it. Right! Beads and chess just feels like his kind of thing, and there are definitely some characters. Um, I can already see the movie poster now where it's like uh, like dark lighting. There's one side that has all the pieces and then one side just has beads. I'm just yeah. saying, I can, I can see it. That works. Like, you can have other various um, toys for other pieces as well. You can, you Let's can... get explicit to start the show. <laughs> The knight is literally a horse, so it kind of writes itself. Like, uh, but uh, yeah, Hikaru Nakamura, one of the ones that is being sued for a hundred million dollars by Hans Demon. Uh, Hikaru won the world championships in Fisher Random, which is also its own giant chess story on its own. Because yep. we all know how Bobby Fisher went off. Well, anybody who's paid attention to the stories in history knows how Bobby Fisher kind of went off the deep end into some like. Uh, What's 
John Nash, the the economics guy that that uh, who did the movie about Beautiful Mind? That's the movie I'm thinking of. Oh sure. And yeah. Bobby Fischer went all Beautiful Mind, but uh, hated chess, and he liked his own variation called Fisher Random, where some of the starting pieces are mixed up a little bit. And that was the tournament, and Hikaru Nakamura is now a world champion, so he has an extra hundred and fifty thousand dollars to help fight this uh this lawsuit coming his way going so, straight to the lawyer well well-timed victory for him but the uh you know anal gate continues to heat up so we'll see what's no changing. no we're not calling it that that <laughs> is one of my biggest pet peeves whenever someone slaps gate at the end of things i'm like no no it was called the water gate because that was the hotel this wasn't a controversy about water like uh Sorry, sorry. Uh, this is the first time I've ever yelled at you. Another working title. I don't know. I don't know. I I'm not gonna go down you or I'm not going to go down this road with you, because uh, ah, screw it. It's explicit already. Nope. So yeah. Uh, <laughs> Speaking of beads, let's talk about uh, Jeff Jarrett. <laughs> I don't know. I don't have a segue. I don't have a segue for you. Um, uh, do you want to start off with the Dynamite I, review? I, yeah. So Dynamite opened up. It was Darby. <laughs> Bay Lethal. Banter over. <laughs> uh, end of the match. Somebody shows up. Clearly not Sting. I think the commentators got confused if they were supposed to pretend to think it's think it was Sting or not, but it was it was pretty obvious. Like I don't think it was ever supposed to look like Sting. It was supposed to be a joke. Um, I wanted Matt, Matt Menard to be on commentary where he's like, "That's not Sting. That's Jeff Farmer." Do his whole bit. Which, by the way, Matt Menard calling out Jeff, like calling Sting Jeff Farmer, is like my <laughs> favorite thing that he's ever done in this promotion. And then anyway, yeah, the fake out. Uh, yeah, so big fake out uh, leads to shenanigans. So Darby loses, and we get the big reveal that the Sting mask was none other than Cole Carter. Sure. Uh, if you thought the Kingdom debut was quiet, get ready for a whole new level of of crowd going. It wild. killed the crowd. It totally oh. killed the crowd. Like you could literally hear people in the audience go, "Who? <coughs> huh?" Like it's freaking new day out there. Who, I mean, who, who? we've what seen, we've seen Carter on dynamite twice. Yeah. But like, he's not like, recognizable at all. Yeah, like that, that's what I mean. Like we've seen well, him twice for a brief moment. Let's, let's get to the next one because we can talk about both of those in one fell swoop. Yeah. So after Carter reveals himself, Music hits. Shivani Wait, hits. after he takes off, he didn't reveal himself to the crowd. We need to get that straight. He took off the mask to reveal that he is not Sting. A wrestler revealing themselves to the audience is a very different thing in 2022. We just talked about that. There's a big hundred million dollar lawsuit over this kind of thing. <laughs> Joey Ryan over here. The other stipulation: Hans offered to play naked to prove he wasn't cheating. So, I've, yep, I remember that now. Um, yeah. We're definitely talking more about this than any other wrestling podcast, so you guys are welcome. Absolutely. I mean, we've tapped into a whole new segment. I definitely have played 
singles of people online in chess who have wrestling related screen names and you know by the end of 2023 i can probably count it as this many and <laughs> all all 10 fingers and thumbs accounted for but uh, yeah cole carter comes out nobody knows who he is of course because why would they he showed up twice for 20 seconds and is current well we thought he was another factory dweeb but apparently now he's going to be a satinum dweeb or maybe this was a one-off who the hell knows but Sting's music hits, Shivani hits his line, it's Sting, Jay and Satnam and Cole and Sanjay get out of the ring, and behind Darby is very clearly not Sting, because not Sting is holding a guitar and wearing a cowboy hat, lights go on, it's still not Sting, not Sting turns Darby around, smashes him over the head with a guitar, and behold... Which he, he cut the back of Darby's head, right? I... Did he cut it or was it gimmicked? I don't know. Uh, it said he made a mention that like Darby was bleeding from the back of his head. Yeah, like you could see it on the ground, but just I was like, did he act like was he bleeding or was this a gimmick thing just so he could do that line? I don't know. Maybe it's Darby. probably it's plausible. Like, yeah. And by gimmicked, I mean Darby sliced his head open, not fake blood, because it's Darby. Right. But right. this is not how things work here. But uh, yeah, Slap Nuts has arrived cuts his little promo about basically I guess he's just going to try and lead a gang of hoodlums over AEW. I don't know. I'm choosing hoodlums very deliberately because that was Sting and Darby's word of choice. Yeah. So that was intentional. And then we get the Slap Nuts TNA theme hitting, which was probably the best start spot, spot of the whole thing. <laughs> My world! Yeah. I love it! Um, <laughs> there's two points I want to hit here. One, they did this totally wrong and in as much as why were there two fake outs that that was that was terrible booking have cole carter interfere in the match or something like that or just save it and don't have him do that i i don't know regardless it made the crowd just totally die no one's going to remember this no one remembers this dude's name like we're we're doing it because we're a wrestling recap show and we've seen him on dark like two or three times. Um but yeah, I just terrible way to introduce him as being main roster. Um they brought up him being in the factory. So I don't know if he's in the factory and this group. Yeah, I guess that, we'll all, like I said, all of that. I I I hated that part. It it totally ground everything to a halt. And as far as the Jeff Jarrett stuff, um, it lost me completely because I'm not a Jeff Jarrett guy. Uh, this dude fails upwards everywhere he goes, and he's a snake oil salesman. I just, I, Jeff Jarrett, the dude, and Jeff Jarrett, the wrestler, I'm just not the biggest fan of. Um, it came out that he is all elite, he got the graphic. Um, and he, he is in-house, you know, he's going to be working on, right. He, he's going to be working on like the touring brands and everything like that. I'm guessing he's going to be a huge asset as far as booking house shows, you know, loops and stuff like that. It's going to be him, uh, Mookie Ghana, uh, Chris Harrington and, uh, someone else. I can't remember the third person. They have a third guy, but I forget who it is. Yeah. Um, but I, but I was like, okay, I, I'm okay with that. I understand that. As far as this gimmick goes, I don't know where we're going besides an eventual like 
him and Sting having a confrontation in ring, likely at full gear. It's likely just going to be Sting and Darby against Jay Lethal and Jeff Jarrett, which I'm like, whatever. Um, it's going to be better than Ric Flair's last match. I know that for a fact. Um, but yeah, I'm just, I'm, I'm really pumping the brakes on this because I, Jeff Jarrett is an asset to have. I, I, I fully believe that. But if you're Tony Khan, you have to be like really, really pumping the brakes on this dude and making sure that he's not going to try to do like some weird corporate takeover from the inside and try to split things. I mean, he's a, he's a very like charismatic and controversial guy. Like he will make enemies and a lot of friends. And it wouldn't shock me if he splits, you know, the locker room to some degree. Well, I wonder um, if that's happened before in AEW. I haven't heard any stories about it. Yeah, that. I know. This is like the perfect time to do it, too. Um, I don't know. I don't know. We'll, we're going to have to wait and see on this one, which I know isn't the sexiest answer for a podcast. It's like really easy for me to just be like, hot take. This is the best thing Tony Khan's done or fuck this dude. Um, I will say this. This entire first 20 minutes uh, was probably the worst opening 20 minutes of Dynamite that I can remember as far as getting me hyped for the rest of the show. Um, I guess overall picture, before I even let you talk about how you feel about JJ, um, I'm letting you save your voice. I, I'm, I'm, I promise I'm falling on the sword here. Um, I'm not a selfish prick. I'm falling on the sword. Um, this episode of Dynamite felt like a filler episode after a pay-per-view rather than the episode you do three weeks before your pay-per-view. This will set up things for the pay-per-view, but what a weird episode of Dynamite. Um, I can't put my finger on it, but it just wasn't for me. I ended up tuning out. This is like one of the first Dynamites I can recall where I was just like, I'm done. I tapped out during the Jericho Cabana match and I was like, I'll catch this tomorrow before work. I'll just, I I'm hanging out with my sister tonight. Like I'll just go hang out with her and not watch dynamite. And I don't know, man, this episode didn't do it for me. So what is, uh, what, what are your overall feelings on Jeff Jarrett and specifically like, what would you do with him moving forward? Yeah, I think, uh, a lot of this was said already. The business side is where it makes sense. There's there's a very big value in having him in the specific role that he's in. Um, it was also the role he was most recently in over in Connecticut as well. Why that For a very work. brief stint. Yeah, I don't know why that one didn't last. I don't know if it was just the shakeup with Vince going and, you know, sometimes people get cut by the wayside then. If he pissed somebody off, I if they just cut him for fun because that's kind of what they do sometimes is just randomly throw people off the bridge. Like whatever it was, he was there for a very short time and essentially this exact same role. Um, in that sense, I think it's a good decision, but I am very weary of on screen Jeff Jarrett in 2022. I think it's got to be very brief and quick and just, I mean, I don't think Cole Carter's the guy, but you need to get somebody new over and, I mean, he could be. He could be that guy. Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm not. I haven't seen that much of him. He did a. He did a couple dark matches before he went to WWE because he and uh, Nikita Knight were together at the time. She's now in NXT under a different name, 
and he became Blake Christian because she is now with the guy formerly known as Ben Carter, who is also in NXT. And then Cole got cut, uh, kind of like Blake Christian, and now he's I over. Mean, yeah, I think... I don't know. I just don't like this one because it's there's too many faction things going on right now. And the idea, like it would make sense if Jeff Jarrett's just like, I'm going to lead an impact versus AEW war, something along those lines. Um, force wrestling. Do what? Global force wrestling. <laughs> Bring back the global force gold, baby. Um, yeah, I don't know. I could see him doing a Shane McMahon esque yeah. internal feud, like invasion angle. That would make sense. But there's already so many factions who are trying to quote unquote take over. There's already like a, a Ring of Honor AEW split, but not really split. How's that going to work? Like, I just I don't I don't know. I I'm guessing Tony Khan has a great idea for this. Otherwise, he wouldn't put Jeff Jarrett on an on-screen role. Um, who knows? Maybe he just gets his ass kicked at full gear and that's the last we see of him. But yeah, he was cool. doing a basically the Dan Lambert shtick. Um, and I liked it when Dan did it more. Interestingly, um, Dan was spotted walking around last night at the show. Yeah, I'm yeah, I don't know, man. There's just some people I would invest in and some not. And Jeff Jarrett, I would man, I don't know just bad vibes considering you almost, you basically dodged the bullet with CM Punk and all that stuff. And then you immediately are like, you know what? Jeff Jarrett, let's do it. Um, I don't know. He's probably going to be AEW champ by the end of 2023. Who knows? Uh, let's see. Moving on. Um, Mox and Moriarty next. Mox and Lee Moriarty, which I could not get into. No, this match didn't do it for me. It was just there, and I don't know. Ethan Page came out after and did the beat up Moxley thing. MJF wasn't there. It was, I don't know. This existed. I don't really have anything to say about it, positive or negative. It was just well, the build entirely took place on Rampage, and so the crowd was like, "Oh, sure." Like I, you know, even if they're familiar with Lee Moriarty, it's like, uh, "Oh yeah, the firm." That's why we're doing this. Yeah, it was fine. Um, I just. Mox as babyface in peril to someone like Lee Moriarty, who like, again, if we're talking about prospects that you would invest in, I would invest in Lee Moriarty. He shouldn't be kicking the shit out of your AEW champion for a huge chunk of the match. Uh, just wrestling psychology. He was probably the worst person to have in this spot. I'm guessing we're going to end up seeing Mox versus every number of these guys. So you just have to do it. But yeah, man, I babyface in peril Mox against Lee Moriarty was just like it reminded me of the way that like Roman Reigns would do that shtick. Like, I don't know, everything before the current thing that he's doing, where it was just like, I don't believe him getting his butt kicked, and that's the only story that we're telling. That's what this match reminded me of. Where I'm like, we're just killing time. That's all we're doing. This reminds me of the build that Moxley and Jericho had to Revolution, where it was the same story. Moxley, Moxley fights each guy in the inner circle once on his way to Jericho. They cheat every time. And I didn't like that build either. 
that's but I mean, like that's but I can I can see that going that way, which is why I'm just like, I guess you just have to do it. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm much more interested in him versus Test. I know that. Yeah, that'll be a fun one. Um, actually, I think someone pointed this out on Twitter. Um. I think Ethan Page is going to be getting a serious run towards the AEW title. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And it didn't really make sense to me until he hit hit he hit MJF with his finisher and I was like, yeah, we don't just do that for no reason. No. And then so I I can't remember who it was. I would love to credit him, but they were just like, would it be that weird if Ethan Page won the AEW title? And I'm like, you know, that would be a swing. But we know he can talk. We know he's decent in ring. Um, I'm not going to put myself out there and say that he's going to be your next AEW champion, but I wouldn't be shocked if uh, after full gear, Ethan Page is facing Mox or MJF for the title. Yeah. Now I've got a sore throat. <laughs> this is going to be some fun audio. This will be. Uh, next up, we have Soraya and Renee sit down. Britt Baker, kayfabe no shows the interview, so it's just Soraya and uh, Renee talking. Basically, the usual typical promo. Tease is being cleared at the end and says, "I've got one more doctor to clear with." I mean, at this point, we already know she's wrestling. It's we know it's Britt and Soraya at full gear because we're getting Jamie Hayter and Tony Storm at full gear. So it's they're really just kind of killing time until the pay per view at this point. Anything else you want to say about it before I absolutely bury the segments? I love Renee. I think she's been such a great pickup. She's not the problem. <laughs> Soraya can't help herself. Anytime she has a fucking mic in her hand, she talks about how she's the star of the women's division, how she showed up to save the women's division, how you know she was a star elsewhere. And now she's coming here to bring credibility. Get the fuck out of here with all of that. Yes, you gained a following. That's great. Your story is great. Every aspect of it, besides the fact that you were dating a miserable person down in Mexico and almost got killed by the cartel. That part, not as cool. But yes, the comeback, it's great. You're going to face Brit. Great. Stop talking about how awesome you are. And how this division is going to be built around you. Because so help me, if this division's built around her, I will bail from the women's division entirely. She is not the answer. You know who is the answer? And who could beat Tony Storm with full gear? Jamie Hayter. Don't say it because it's not going to happen. I know. I'm, either way, I'm screwed. Like, I'm going to be destroyed when she loses. And if she somehow wins, I'm going to be so obnoxious. No one's going to want to talk to me. Like, <laughs> oh, no. It's going to be a party for us. We're going to be like, <laughs> yeah, Jamie won. It just doesn't feel like the right timing. Oh, no, she's not. Um, <laughs> if she was facing Jade, I would be like, all yeah. right, okay. I can talk myself into this. This feels right all right let's do it because whoever beats jade is going to be a big deal let's do it with jamie Hayter. she's all of a sudden the biggest name in the women's division tony storm can continue to be the interim women's champion and Britt baker can get pissy and do the the that whole angle that works out perfectly but instead we're getting jade nyla rose i swear there's sometimes i want to shake tony khan's shirt i'm just like dude you're so close you are so close 
but you're missing it completely. And that's how I feel about this match because I'm like, honestly, this match at full gear, Tony Storm defending against Jamie Hayter has a very, very high chance of being the best women's match in AEW history. And I don't think that that's a high bar to clear. It it would be what the, the first Britt Baker Thunder Rosa match is probably the high one right now. There was one recently that I think was better. Um, I mean, the the multi-person match at All Out was fine, but it wasn't some. There was one match in this combination of, like, Tony, Ishida, Hater, Baker, whatever, Storm, but there was some random combination in there that I think was actually a better match than than the first Baker-Rosa one, but... But the problem is you can't remember it. Well, I mean, the match didn't matter for anything, really, right? (laughs) But I'm saying, like, but, like, universally... That that is like the threshold of if you ask someone what the what best women's match in AEW, yeah. yeah, you watch it a lot closer than most of us, so I understand your point of view. I don't know. I uh, Tony Storm is an awesome champ. I think she's great, and she should absolutely win this match. And honestly, I would continue to build the division around her. I would have her hold on to this title until twenty twenty four. To be honest, like Tony Storm has so been an awesome champ. Double or nothing to actually be able to beat Rosa and finally get the stupid tag off it. So I'm waiting for the health update from Thunder Rosa. And would it shock you if she just left the company before she faced Tony Storm? Nope. That's where we're at with no her. On the way out. Yeah, no match on the way out at all. Um. But that said, I don't know the terms of her deal or anything, but it it seems like she's milking this. That's just the vibe that I get. Because the way that the women's roster talks about her now (laughs) is spicy. Is spicy. What do we got next? Uh, Next up, I was watching Sportsnet when I wrote this, and they advertised their premium service, and I've been having mailwidge <laughs> thoughts in my head from that all day. Um, but the next match on AEW was Jericho's open challenge for a former Ring of Honor champion. Who's it going to be? Who's it going to be? Boom, boom. Colt Cabana. Boom, boom. Fuck you, Phil Brooks. Boom, boom. The crowd popped. I popped. The boys in the back popped. I think Trent's... Uh, Anybody who's watched Trent's Twitter, I mean, this tweet's probably already deleted by the time this airs because he's one of those guys that deletes all the time. Trent's Twitter is just a running comedy thing, right? Like, he types jokes on there all the time. Nothing serious. Oh, him and Chuck Taylor are must-followers. They're just just fucking around, pumping Sue's tires a lot, (laughs) you know, making jokes. This tweet was not a... This might be the only serious one Trent has ever put out. It is just a giant, all-caps for the boys in a reply to AEW's thing of cold. And if that doesn't speak volumes. If this doesn't speak volumes, did you see who liked that tweet? No. FTR. Whoa. Whoa. Think about that one for a second. Think about that one. Whoa. 
How many allies do you think Phil has in the back now? Yeah, those were the only two hopes. <laughs> Maybe Brock Anderson. I don't know. <laughs> the other two thirds of the Bret Hart club. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I love that he's back. Um, he looked like he was going to cry. Oh no. He was very emotional. Very emotional. Um, him coming back says a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Um, I would assume that he's still going to be ring of honor. That I mean, makes the makes that sense. makes the most sense. For it, him. Makes sense. it made sense with or without punk. <laughs> right. Right. It, the optics are fully that CM Punk was the only reason that Colt wasn't on TV. So I cannot wait to hear more about that because the dialogue on Twitter has been like, no, it was Cole Cabana who had a problem with Punk coming in. Oh, Meltzer went off on this already. Did he? Well, because he's like, since the start, people kept telling him, no, no, Colt's not off TV because of Phil. That's not what happened. Like, like all the AEW camp has been denying that from the start, saying it's not the reason, it's not the reason. Like, everybody is talking to him, and he, he just, Dave is not an animated person. He becomes very animated and goes, can I just say this, that it's very clear now that we have proof that something was being lied about to us from the start. And that's exactly what he meant. Okay. So yeah, I, I've blocked like three different people on Twitter specifically who are like hardcore defending CM Punk. And I'm just like, guys, I get it. I like the guy too. If I'm a booker, I would bring him in without thinking about it because you have to. Man, it's really hard to be backing him right now. And whenever you see something like this and you're just like, oh, yeah, I wouldn't be shocked if, you know, even. So here's the thing. Even if he never said anything to Tony Khan. If I'm Tony Khan, I would just be like, I'm keeping these two very far apart Mm -hmm. to the point where I, I have to probably pick punk over him. So even if Phil didn't specifically ask for it his actions and the way that he carried himself and talked about him definitely made his like feelings well, well known. I'm going to, I'm going to read a quote here. This is on, on the, the Meltzer forums, random poster. So they're talking about the fact that Colt also was a coach behind the scenes mm-hmm. and then was no longer a coach and a steel became a coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, first it says this is how I go. He was never hired. This is about Colt. He was never hired only to be a talent. I remember when he was hired, Matt Jackson on BTE mentioned that they felt weird that he wasn't there from the beginning and that he should be there with them since he helped start this movement and taught the Bucks how to be successful in the Indies. Just my conjecture, but I would guess there was a period when they were trying to get Punk in the beginning that made them wait on bringing in Colt. I think once they thought Punk would not happen, they brought in Colt. Then Punk became interested later. Just my guess. Oh, yeah. No, that I fully... Good guess. Yeah. Yeah, I I fully I fully believe that, and I mean that's not really going out on a limb either. Like no. it, that's just that's how people are. That's how humans interact with each other, and it is what it is. But yeah, the match itself was whatever. Yeah. Um, both of these guys it didn't even matter, <laughs> right? Yeah, like it. We know the result. Yeah, the moment was you know, Colt Cabana coming back and making his return. Um. The BTE segment would have been great. That's all I'm going to say. Um, but I guarantee you everyone involved 
has signed so many NDAs that it's just like we're not we're not I even mean, joking about that, guys. They, they can't even joke about the NDAs on BTE. Like it's just going to be like it didn't exist. We we might yep. get wake up from a dream segment where they're just back to like when was the elite vi- like uh short before this match. I don't remember. I think it was. I watched this in a, like I watched everything in a weird order. We also I, skipped the acclaimed daddy ass birthday birthday bash because that's when I started yeah. watching the show. And yeah, I had to fuck you, buddy. Thought you can right. skip out well, on daddy ass like that. Let's uh, let's clip it here and then we'll jump back in for daddy ass's birthday shenanigans. No, I think we can knock this out in two minutes. <laughs> I don't think we're going to be talking about that for too much longer. I mean, everybody loves the acclaimed. Um, they now I will have- say this. My no, sister was here, and that was the first time she saw it, and she loved it. She was like, Everybody this is it. amazing. And my wife was like, yeah, wrestling's pretty gay now. <laughs> like, I love all can't the- hide it. Wrestling's a great way to greet somebody. <laughs> <laughs> is there any more? They give them the big foam scissor hands. Oh, loved it. Yeah, no that that whole segment was fine. I I still don't have a feel with where we're going for the tag division, um, because by all accounts the acclaimed should not be as over as they are right now, but they are. I would ride with it until they're not, until it starts to get a little stale, and at that point, that's when you you pull the rug. I have no idea what's next. An FTR heel turn would make a ton of sense. Keith Lee turning heel and working with Swerve makes sense. The ass boys just winning the titles makes sense. Establish the firm. We, we said that the episode that the firm like started that they make sense to take the titles. I don't know. There's four different directions we could head in and we still haven't had the one-on-one acclaimed versus bucks match, which we're probably not going to get for a very long time. But I'm just saying, there's so many options you can go with. Um, out of those four, the acclaimed just beating all three teams, the Ass Boys winning, Swerving Our Glory or FTR. Where do you think we're going? Ass Boys. That's my call. I think that they're a good call. I'm going to be shocked if FTR doesn't end the year having every single title. Um, or if they just start dropping titles starting at Final Battle. I don't know. Like I said, I have no real feel for this. Um, <laughs> fuck it. Bring the Hardys back. They win. I don't know. The Ass Boys could, like, they could win the title for two weeks and lose to FDR. A winner is coming. Like, we said the same thing about the Acclaimed. Yeah. We just assumed that they were going to be short-term champions. But, dude, I, I would ride this hot hand. Because they're going to feel less special immediately mm-hmm. without those titles. Um, I, I thought there's a way that you could still ride that wave without the titles, but this feels like you have lightning in a bottle. Um, it's not necessarily my favorite, but man, it's hard not to get hyped for these guys. Like it's working. That crowd energy is so electric. It's contagious. Um, Trio, uh, triangle match next for all Atlantic. Oh, I was going to say, do you want to touch on the elite bucks or are we basically where we were last week? I mean, nothing's changed. It was another vignette doing the same thing, and we know what's going on. But they so. kind of sp- like are specifically leading towards them challenging for the trio's titles. Oh, absolutely, yeah. 
which we can get into after the yeah. triangle match. We're going to keep saying it until it catches on. Fuck triple threat. It's going to be a thing. Uh, yeah, we'll see over Phoenix and Luchasaurus. Uh, one point Jungle Boy sends Luchasaurus through a table to write him out of the match. Sorry, Jungle Boy Jack Perry. We're, we're really making the switch now, so we're going to get in that habit. Who would have thought that a Jungle Boy run-in would be my favorite spot of the match? But that was cool as hell. Oh, I did and a if, great job with it. If they keep figuring out ways to make Jungle Boy Jack Perry look rad, I might be eating that crow sooner rather than later as far as like, you know who's actually really good? JB is primo right now. Um, I would love to be proven wrong. We've come on here and talked so much shit about Jungle Boy <laughs> just not being credible. If he becomes a dude after all of this, it, it'll be very well worth it. But um, uh, match itself, what'd you think? Yeah, decent match. I mean, it's it's hard to even think about it because of what comes next. Like, it's, it's another... It's like the opposite of Cole Cabana, right? Cole Cabana came first and then the match didn't matter. Something came after this and now the match didn't matter. So... I think I remember liking the match. Let's let's get into it here. I'm gonna do slight slight off ramp before we get right back on. Um, they are heavily. Well, before we even get to that, Orange Cassidy and Phoenix have great chemistry. Oh yeah, that is no surprise. More, 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 more of that, please. Um, they are definitely teasing descent between. The death, death triangle. triangle. And we are heading for a split. We absolutely have to be. And I think that's the right call. I yeah. think it's time for all three of those guys to just scatter to the wind. If we continue to do Lucha Bros and we wait a while before they do a singles thing, that's fine. But we got to get them away from Pack yeah. because that sets us up for Pack versus Pinta, Pack yeah. versus Phoenix. Like, dude, like. Those matches are so good. But I mean, that's going to be part of the story, right? The Elite beat them, and that's going to be kind of their their big disbanding moment because Pac keeps trying to cheat, and Phoenix doesn't want to. And I mean, I feel like Penta's going to go dark side when they split two, but away from Pac. And yeah, it's coming. Penta Oscuro. But now with Penta versus uh, Phoenix out of this, too. Like, maybe. Maybe. Um,. But yeah, you took the words out of my mouth. I, I think we're setting up for the elite to get their titles back. Pretend like nothing happened. Literally, and then yeah. we split up the death triangle, which some people will be very upset about that because that faction is badass. But they I mean, won the trios titles. There's yeah. not really any. They faced off against uh, House of Black. There's not really much else for this trio to do. Now is the time to kind of set at least one of them in their own direction. They got established at Revolution 2020. That was the first time we saw it hit the Death Triangle. It got delayed with COVID and Pac being stuck overseas for so long, of course. But, like, that's almost three years for what was at the time essentially a thrown-together stable, right? There was no reason for why Pac joined up with them. They just kind of did. And that's a pretty good shelf life for something like that. For a thrown-together team? Yeah, you yeah. can hang your hat on that. Call it a major success and split them up now. But I thought AEW didn't tell stories. Anyway. They don't. The Elite don't even exist anymore. So, <laughs> anyway. So yeah, uh, I'm I'm excited for this team's story. 
coming out of this match is that Orange Cassidy winning means he gets his dream match Friday at Rampage. I assumed all along this was going to be Minoru Suzuki because that was like the Joey Janela match that got canceled. I thought that's where it was right. going. And Suzuki was in the States yep. as of like last Friday. Yeah. I was 100% sure where that's where it was. I was right there with you. I was right there with you. Then we hear that. Do, 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 do. Do, 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 do. Is it a piano? Is it some other like keyed instrument that starts this theme? I feel like it's a piano, but I think it's electric. Maybe I don't know. It's an electric piano. I think a keyboard. Dumbass, it's called a keyboard. Holy fuck, bitch! <laughs> yeah, keep talking. I'm gonna pull it up. Uh, yeah. So the the few notes hit from a indeterminate instrument. The people in the crowd who knew right away lost their shit. I lost my shit. I there's a lot of things that get me hyped where I'll scream. This one legit left me speechless. I stood up, my jaw was on the floor, and I don't think I moved until after the contract was signed. Because the notes from the What? I thought you had I thought you had the instrument found. Yeah, it's a million percent electric guitar. All like right. I no other instrument can do that unless you have like it in my head right now. So the fucking sickest patch on a keyboard. <laughs> like that is that's an electric guitar. Um let's play this game. When was Katsuyor Shibata's tragic injury? Give me a year. Oh god, I gotta put my thinking cap on. 2017? Yep. How many matches has he had since 2017? Two. Good man. Look at you. After failing the Halloween candy quiz, you are, uh, you're coming out on top on the Katsuyo Shibata quiz. This dude is wrestling his third match after almost dying in five years. He has the most... Like one of the most like serious, like it's him and Minoru Suzuki as far as like the most like no nonsense ass kickers. And this dude wanted two matches in AEW. One of them was against Orange Cassidy. This was Shibata's idea. He asked for this match. That is insane to me that this dude is just like, yeah, no, I want to go out there and exchange headbutts with Orange Cassidy. Well, we don't. You imagine? Given that you're saying it, you know who the other match is too, and it's uh, the other. Well, we'll get to that in a second. Yeah. Put a percentage. I'm getting giddy just talking about it. I'm like, oh man, I'm fluttering my arms. I got goosebumps. What's the chance? Katsura Shibata wins the All Atlantic Championship on Friday. Forty-six percent. I think it's significant. I mean, I think it's it's a real chance, right? And so there's here's part of this too. The, I'm the, I'm at like seventy to eighty. I am I am almost gonna, positive it's going to happen. Because here's the thing: Shibata getting this match in AEW is very significant because the two matches he had in New Japan. He did an exhibition kind of grappling thing for whatever, 10 minutes or what it was. It was like five. Like it was very tame. 
he then got a second kind of oh it was it was no impact like it wasn't just like low impact no, it, it was, was no like impact massive. like it i mean it's that it's zsj like yeah, yeah but that's kind of why he was the opponent <laughs> yeah he then gets his next match uh, against Ren Narita, and Shibata kind of goes off script and does way more than New Japan cleared him for. A lot more than New uh, Japan wants a him to. A lot more, and for those, put him in the ring since. For those who don't know, Katsuya Shibata headbutt he like headbutted people all the time, like legit. He had a title match, the greatest match of his career, against. Kazuchika Okada at Dominion in 2017. It's one of my favorite matches ever. And then he like a sickening crack headbutts Okada. And then like you see him dazed and then his head starts bleeding. The dude legit fractured his skull had like a, he had a concussion which led to like blood pooling in his brain and his brain swelling. Shibata almost died. Like, he very well could be dead right now. And we're talking about Shibata in the past sense of, like, you know who would have been great in AEW? Katsuyor Shibata. This dude is wrestling Orange Cassidy in Atlantic City on Friday night with Mike Tyson on commentary. He is going to win that title and then face his second dream opponent in AEW, Brian Danielson. And that match already, I'm just like, I'm so nervous because I'm like, either one of them could die in the ring. They are both dumb enough to do way more than they're supposed to. And they're both injury risks. Tony Khan will be checking in with both of them leading up to that match. You've been like, no headbutts, right? No headbutts, right? No, like we're not messing with each other's heads. And then they're going to go out there and start the match with headbutts. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, so it... It came out. I, I'm guessing it was F4W that reported it, but Shibata said he wanted two matches and one of them is against Danielson. And the fact that I'm so giddy because we could either wait to do that match with Danielson and Shibata can... I mean, he doesn't really wrestle anywhere else. New Japan's not letting him. That's what I mean. Like If, if he's in AEW, New Japan and them have a relationship. Is this them saying go wrestle there because we don't want the blood on our hands or that's yes that's that's one bring title back there to defend it and get some cross promotion but i tend to lean more towards the former that it's we don't want this on us if you die so go wrestle there or wouldn't it but it works well too if you bring the all atlantic to wrestle kingdom and stuff like that that's sick i don't think so get it on strong but i think it's going to be he wins the title and faces Danielson soon. Like as soon as full gear, you could probably wait and do it at like revolution or something like that. That match is not happening at Russell kingdom. There is no way that new Japan is like, no, we're not plus AEW is in like Seattle. It's like the day of, or the day after Russell kingdom, Danielson's not missing that show. That's the first market, right? First time in Seattle. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the optics of like Danielson had a career-ending injury at Russell Kingdom, and we're running in Seattle. It's not happening. That match is not going to happen in New Japan, which means it's going to happen in AEW. Could you do? When's the next Battle of the Belts? I don't know when that is, but we have their usual Winter is Coming special, which is another kind of big one. So you could that do too. 
that too. But there's um, also one more belt thing before the end of the year too. So you've got it might options. be in January. Now that I think about yeah, it, you've got options though. But right, so I th- I think I think Shibata wins the title from Orange Cassidy, drops it to Danielson because Dan Danielson is the All Atlantic Champion. Makes all the sense in the world in the same way where he should have won another mid card title like the TNT title. You got to start making these belts feel important, and. I'm I'm sorry. As much as I love Orange Cassidy and his Jansen backpack, you got to put it on the star. If you want this title to ever mean anything, it has to be defended. The matches have to be bangers because AEW is built on match quality. Danielson's the guy for it. So him winning at full gear or, or uh, winter is coming. That's sick as hell. So that's, that's where I'm leaning. two more things on the show we had a creepy video for the house of black showing up um i believe we saw all the members in this like we did see buddy matthews as well because that was we knew alistair didn't get released he didn't get cut um have it on some pretty i mean even if he did he was gonna have a non-compete for five years oh yeah like but they're similar to cm punk a lot of people in the locker room that hate black right now and think he's a big baby and being a whiny bitch for not appreciating the stuff he had given to him. Um, but at any rate, he's back and they're back. Well, which isn't necessarily fair because like there is some mental health stuff with that. Oh, absolutely. And, but it's like, at the same time, it's just like he tried to play both sides of the fence yeah, where well, he was like, right. Where they're like, well, you lied about the mental health stuff because you wanted to go back to WWE. So fuck you, buddy. Like that, that's where those feelings are coming from. Right. But uh, yeah, House of Black is back. The music on this video was sick. I loved it. I loved the music they chose for it. It's going to be so weird when we get them versus the Elite for the trios title. It'll be the weirdest thing ever. It's going to be bizarre. They're going to be awesome, though. (laughs) Oh, they're going to be like openly mocking. Oh, absolutely. It's going to be it's going to be fantastic. I'm shocked that I almost called him Tommy and holy shit. I'm shocked that Malachi Black isn't like changing his tune now that like Bray Wyatt's back in WWE. I'm like, is he just gonna like try to out Bray Wyatt, Bray Wyatt? Because if we head in that direction, I don't want it. I don't want it. I'm not the spooky guy. I'm not. Set Brody King as your ROH champion and just cut the other two. They're they're back. I really like Julia Hart. I think she's gotten so much better. The big thing about her matches lately is she's learning how to actually wrestle now. She dropped the cheerleading gymnast stuff. She's learning how to strike a bit. Her stuff's looking more vicious. I like her. I think she's got a really high... So is Brian Pillman Jr. with his Kenny Omega routine. (laughs) (laughs) I'm dying for Brian Pillman Jr. versus Kenny Omega. Or just Buddy versus Kenny Omega. And it's just like, hmm... Oh yeah. Uh, I mean, we'll get a glimpse of it. They'll enter the ring at some point in the match. I don't know. I mean, Julia Hart's fine, but it's like I can't escape the spooky stuff. I've been so consistent with all of this. Once she got spit in the face and then was emo, I was like, I'm out. I don't care how good she is. She could be Tony Storm for all I care. The spooky stuff brings her down to like a negative for me. So I'm I'm glad that she's working on her craft and she's getting better. 
So she'll have something to fall back on when this whole spooky gimmick fails and she'll I mean, need to have do have something. Never, right? We know that. That's that's never a permanent thing for her. Like that's this isn't the company where you can be the undertaker for twenty years straight. Like that's that's someone like, should tell that to Malachi Black. Well, we've got four more years, so <laughs> Oh my god. Five. We have five more years. I guess, yeah. Dude, he can go wrestle Cody and, and Bray Wyatt and WWE for all I care. I If I'm Tony Khan, it's like it sets a bad precedent in cutting the dude. But if he wants to be gone, it's like, I'll put you on ice for, I don't know, X amount of time and serve out some part of your contract. But it, it would look really bad if it's like, I want out. All right, fine, leave. But him leaving is not going to do anything. It's not going to be the big thing that Cody was. Anyway, I'm... I will get on to you for this, though. As the women's wrestling advocate, you leaving off one of the fucking worst women's segments of all time on our show notes. Oh, my God. I forgot about it. Did about not that. go unnoticed, bucko. <laughs> um, even intentional. I mean, you want to bury it like, or am I going to? You know what? Let's start with the thing I really liked. Marina Shafir's new theme is sweet. I dig the new theme song. You were on thin ice. I thought you were going to say Marina Shafir was really good in this match. I told you what I liked about it. I like the new theme song. It's a cool song. This um, had Nyla Rose open mic night. It had Vicky Guerrero screeching. It had Jade Cargill not laying contact in. It had Marina Shafir looking like a fucking crash test dummy out there. Oh, God. They made her look like shit. I'm I'm a little I'm even more upset that I didn't wake up to a tweet saying Marina Shafir has been released from her AEW contract. Dude, this is what do you do with her moving forward? Or what the fuck is Tony Khan doing? Booking that match. It was even worse than I thought it would be. And I had such low expectations. How do you expect Jay Cargill? And Marina Shafir to at least be two stars. This was not a good decision. And do you know what this is in service for? This is in service to build up Jade versus Nyla Rose. I like comedy Nyla. She fucking cracks me up. She cracks you up all she wants, but that match is going to be a two star special at best. I mean, it's probably going to be a pre-show match. It's you've already got Tony and Jamie and Britain Saray on the main card. It's going to be a buy-in match. <laughs> there we go. Talk your. I, I want you to do this in real time on the spot. Talk yourself into Nyla beating the one or being the one to beat Jade. Sell us on it. If anyone's going to do it, it's you, bud. So the thing that actually has, I mean. No, match. you can't. You but can't. The thing that really cracked me up the most was when she did her second uh, defense of her TBS title. Vicky brought out the sign for the streak, and it jumped from one to zero to fifty-seven to zero, like Goldberg's always did. And the commentary just ate into it, like, "Where did all these extra matches come from? Dark matches don't count. You can't just pad records." I lost my shit. Um, that was a good spot. But really funny spot. 
if Nyla is the one to beat Jade with stat on the shelf for a year, what are we doing? I mean, it's not going to happen. There's it's no, a dead title. It's a dead title. There's no universe where that happens. Nyla's been doing this role for a while where she becomes a quote-unquote credible opponent because you're beating a former champion. It's the same idea. Which is the perfect lane to have her in. Yeah, so that's, like, I actually like that they've been building a little more to this match compared to some of the other defenses because it does at least put some stock into the early women's champions actually having been credible and Jade beating her still matters. And, I mean, this match sucked, but the build is funny. Nyla's funny shit. I'm Remember when our first two women's champions were Riho and Nyla Rose? Well, I mean, it was probably supposed to be Kylie Ray, but that didn't last long. So. Dark times. Dark like, times. Wrestle yet. Like, well, <laughs> I mean, like, she sucked back then, so. Let's talk about the main event. Wardlow defeats <laughs> Brian Cage. No, he doesn't. Samoa Joe beats Brian Cage. See, you already forgot. <laughs> oh, it's all the same. Yeah, that's right. Wardlow came out to make the save. Can you tell how hyped I am about this? Dude. Cage before... looked like shit. Wait, what'd you say? The cage looked like shit. I thought Joe looked like he was gassed from the time that he came out. I th- I think Samoa Joe was the problem with that match against Brian Cage. All I noticed was the thing the thing people lay into, and rightfully so for some of them, but the thing they lay into a lot of the women for is for the strikes not looking stiff and not looking believable, right? That's one of the things I've been pumping Julia Hart's tires about is that her strikes are looking better. Yeah. This match had some of the worst looking worked strikes and worked punches and worked kicks I've seen in a long time. It was clear as day how much this stuff was missing. Which makes sense because we've seen that in countless Brian Cage matches that's over the years. That's that's the that's the negative Brian side. Cage that's the con. Like a safe Miz type guy, just a bigger. I don't guy. know how safe that outside dive where he put all of his weight on Samoa Joe's neck. I was like, my dude. Oh man. Ah, uh, but no. Um, I to finish my thought from earlier. Wardlow was the real winner of this match because he came out and looked like a star and got a better reaction than either one of them did during the match. Samoa Joe looked washed, and that is a hard thing for me to say out loud because Samoa Joe is one of my favorite wrestlers ever. I think he's awesome. He does what he does very well. I And I don't think it was... Because we're used to the same Brian Cage-isms. We were a defender of him when he came into AEW, but we were also saying like, guys, here's the bad side. And we also started off as an indie only podcast and we watched a lot of Brian Cage on the indies and it's not great guys. Um, He's got like one match to show for it this year. I just, yeah, well, that's more Osprey than that was kind of my point because that's like Christian's match for the year too. Well, yeah, but you know, you know me. I wasn't a fan of that match. Uh, I feel like I was the only person on earth that went under four stars. Sure, um, like Christian's best match, but for him, <laughs> yeah, I'm not the biggest Blake Christian guy. But anyway, 
um, it, it hurt to see Joe. He looked like he was more than a step behind. And I wouldn't be shocked if he just kind of plays the hits and, you know, has, has some small yeah. matches. I think him in a tag team is where we're at. Maybe hide him in a trio. Uh, but him as a singles champ, I, I, I don't think it's going to be too much longer. And unfortunately, that means we're probably not going to get Chris Jericho, Samoa Joe. Um, if I'm booking, I'm very careful. And the amount of Samoa Joe matches I do, it, it's very limited from here out. It sucks to say. He's a rampage guy now. Like I, I can't put him on main show dynamite in a singles match. And I would be hesitant in putting him as one of my cornerstones of ROH. Um, I I'm, I'm, I'm not going to go as far as to say that Samoa Joe is done and that he needs to hang it up. Um, but I, I felt like it was very noticeable in this match whenever he had to carry the match. Um, it felt like Brian Cage was doing all this extra stuff to make up for the fact that, you know, he kind of had to do more. Um, I hated it. I hated this match. I liked the way the show closed, though, with Wardlow and Hobbs. I'm into that match. I mean, we've said from the start, Powerhouse Hobbs should be the one to beat Wardlow. And the fact that we still don't have Ricky Starks, I'm just like, I'm guessing we wait until Wardlow loses. It would make sense for. Hobbs to be the next guy and it frees up Wardlow to face a potential champion MJF at revolution. Just um, saying Ricky's cutting a promo on Friday too. We know that it's been that's confirmed. Yeah. Okay. Like AEW tweet confirmed, not even dirt sheet confirmed. Like it's an okay. segment at this point. Starks is speaking. Like, like I said, from the start, I think having a triangle match for the TNT title where Hobbs can pin Starks, something like that frees up Wardlow. Even if it's a scramble match, like a multi-man cluster, yeah, like I, I mean, I'm excited for. I like the build they're doing with it. I'm into that that pairing. So, I just don't know if I like the idea of Powerhouse Hobbs beating Wardlow clean, and then having Wardlow immediately challenge MJF for the world title. Yeah, that's no, hard. That's hard for me. Michael version makes more sense for that for sure. Right. But uh, that that's was, dynamite. That was dynamite. Um. It's weird Dude, I thought we were going to breeze through it. We got a lot of stuff to cover. I mean, there were like three big people showing up. So, yeah. And honestly, like I said, Anna. in the moment, I hated this show because I thought it was really boring, but a lot of really fun stuff happened. Yeah. Um, I just didn't get any awesome matches. Yeah. That's and like... I, I come to AEW, like I, I watch Dynamite for awesome matches. Rampage is just an hour of like, progression yeah story filler and dark is just like fucking squash matches at this point they've got to fix that but like i watch rampage for like four star matches like i at least get one per show and when i don't get it i'm just like is this what people who like wwe feel when they watch like smackdown and shit Whereas, like, I didn't, I, I would be lying to myself if I said that there was a tremendous match on this show. No, the closest thing was the it's trio. fine. It's fine. Or not the trails match, the triangle match. Sorry. Right. Yeah. The but the was... coolest part of that was Jungle Boy running oh. out, which that was that was shot perfectly. Again, that was the coolest part. That was caught perfect. Um. 
dude we're probably gonna get some hate on this because the only time we talk about wwe is whenever something bad happens um notice we're not going to be talking about their q3 numbers and how profitable they are um do you want to talk about saudi arabia or the vince mcmahon investigation um you know what the vince one's really quick so we have very limited info um the internal investigation is complete and the estimated cost is almost 20 million bucks big number what a cool dude that's seven one night stands of his that's the cost and those are just the ones he paid out for yeah Cool stuff. And anyone who says this dude is like a hero, like he's the ultimate wrestling villain, like in real life, like the reason that wrestling is like thought of as less than and for like fucking mouth breathers and stupid people is because of Vince McMahon. He made it a lowest common denominator hobby. And we're out here doing our part to be like, we're not all stupid, you see? Speaking of doing stupid things. Maybe. Maybe we are. (laughs) Yeah, it's not great. We're both. (laughs) Anyway, there's, I could be doing so much else with my life than watching wrestling. So, like I said, speaking of incredibly stupid things. Um... Why don't you walk us through this uh, potentially insane thing that's happening in the Middle East? More than WWE doing another Blood Money premium live event. Yeah. They they could be in the middle of an international conflict. They could, and they would not be the first sports thing to get trapped in that. So the intelligence that came into the U.S. right now is that an attack in Saudi Arabia from Iran is imminent as in days, not weeks or months, as in literal days. Um, They are there anyways. And there was an F1 race, 2020 maybe? I don't know. An F1 race at one point where there were strikes like seven kilometers from the racetrack. Extremely close. Scary close. And the drivers just basically got told, well, suck it up, you're racing, try not to die. Like, And now the wrestlers are there. like <laughs> Including the Good Brothers. Including the Good Brothers. Where it's like, what was that one Carl Anderson tweet where he's just like, <laughs> I like... <laughs> I never say never in wrestling, but I'll say it now. Never. I'm never going back there. And then ends it with something like, unless, you know, I need a new pool or something. And... They continue to be the two biggest parties in the entire business, and they are there. I can't do it, dude. This is this is insane. Absolutely insane. Like it's one thing to take the blood money; it's another thing to just be like, "Or zone, cool." Yeah, yeah. What is potentially an active war zone by the time you get there? And for what? So we can do Roman Reigns versus the YouTube dude? Like, that's that's what we're going to go over there and die for? That's the match. 
do you even know what else is on the card? I have no clue. Uh, I know the Good Brothers are going over there. The other big tall dude, almost. Wait, who is it? Almost and who else? Braun. Which I mean, hey, good thing it's in Saudi Arabia. I don't have to fucking watch it. Can I can I tell you the ever put on paper for me? Can I tell you the realization I just had? Hmm. I've never seen an almost match. It's kind of like Giant Gonzalez, I think. It's, and it's not a great comp. Bad. I mean, I don't like that giant, tall, like, it's a hard sell for me anyways. Like, Lance Archer's, like, the peak of how much a tall guy can go over for me. So. Yeah, but he's, like, athletic as shit, That's though, too. I mean. And he's, like, a genuinely, like, good Lance. dude. So that, like, I'm Lance. always playing for but, like, the tall guys, that whole giant, like, Satnam Singh-style wrestler has never done it for me. Um, that said, almost is really, really bad. Really bad. And I think Braun's a piece of shit, too. <coughs> um, I think Bianca and Bailey have a match. That's all I can remember. Dude. There are other stuff that's happening, but... It might be the Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens show in a few weeks because everybody else is dead. Fuck me. Oh my god. I wasn't going to say it, but like... I mean... That would definitely make that Carl Anderson tweet look really insane now. Um, Bro, could you... That is like... I can't even imagine. I can't go down that road. I can't. I mean, it's a possibility. I don't think it's likely. No, by any means, but I'm like, ah, if I ran, wanted to make a statement, I'm just saying. Oh, it's going to be a packed stadium. Um, what was the other thing that happened in WWE? Uh, well, we've got we've got a couple things in terms of Forbidden Door type stuff. Yeah, have, yeah, yeah. We have the Noah match, Noah show on the Great Muta Retirement Tour. Muta against Shinsuke Nakamura. Dude, I'm so excited to see Shinsuke come out of retirement to face the great Muta. Because what? He hasn't wrestled in like eight, nine years? How long has Nakamura been retired for? I want to say 2016, 2015? Probably 2016. So like six years. When was that Wrestle Kingdom match against Ibushi? Yeah, I mean, obviously, and then it was twenty fifteen. The Ibushi match would have, I think, been twenty fifteen then. Yeah. But yeah, twenty sixteen January. Holy shit! So NXT hasn't been good in seven years, bro. So yeah, that's one match, and then the other thing going on is Carl. Anyway. Missing the U.S. title or whatever freaking title he has. Not I'm sure. so unconcerned with Carl Anderson versus Hikuleu. No, but here's like, the thing: like that, that match is happening, right? Like that's yes. that's happening because New Japan always strips titles when you don't make commitments. It doesn't matter what the reason is. Your grandma died. There goes your title. Like, to clarify, I don't think that match is going to happen. But New Japan thinks that that match is going to happen. Okay, fair. Sure. Uh, WWE has no fucking reason to do that match. Like, I, so yeah, it might happen, which means 
Hikaleu beats Carl Anderson. Am I resubscribing to New Japan World to watch that? Uh, Hikaleu sucks too. I mean, he's fine. I mean, it, it's he's I'm a tall guy. I'm not buying it. <laughs> probably better than almost. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, he might almost be good at it. I don't know. <laughs> On that note, um, yeah, dude. I don't know. I that entire situation. It's like, is it a work? Is it a? Sh-? I'm like, who cares? I mean, in the in the wrestling world we live in right now, is that the most interesting thing about WWE? That's insane. I can't tell you how many times we've gone three segments. But I, let's do it. I mean, there's there's only really two big things left. We've got uh, we've got a little bit of rating stuff because uh-uh, we're going another forty minutes, homie. Let's go. I got more. I got more Jeff Jarrett to talk about. Um. Yeah, so okay, here's we we talked a little bit about this um before. What is the most interesting thing WWE can do to grab you as a viewer right now? Because we are now officially done with the honeymoon period. We'll talk ratings in a second. Is there an angle? Is there a star? Is there a title change? Like what I always assumed it would be a regime change, but like the regime has changed and I still don't give a shit. So what, what would have to happen right now where you're like, I'll check that out. You know, one of the biggest things for me that's still striking me is, and I mean, they've done obviously a lot of debuts because he's bringing his people in, right? That's the way regime changes work. You bring in the people you want to be the, the main players. There's still just, there's a lack of depth through and through on that roster where even if you bear like the feuds are get buried and it's not the same, like street profits, Uso's 30 weeks in a row, but there's still only so many combinations to go around where it's, Nothing feels it feels like it's just spin the wheel to see who who gets which segment this week and that's how the matches are figured out. Like you've got twenty guys, it's gonna be the same twenty guys every time and you're just spinning the wheel for which one ends up where. Which I mean I've talked about this with AEW too. I like the booking where it's not the exact same guys wrestling each week. I get them each once every few weeks. That's and well there's only a handful of rematches that go on. There's, there's just not a lot of depth right now. That's the biggest thing that's missing for me. Is it's still, there's still a huge element of repetitiveness in the same kind of thing over and over and over and over and over to the point where you can watch once every two months and be caught up in five minutes flat. I think for me, it would have to be like we're we're doing something drastically different. Um, so you might have to walk me through this because like I said, I haven't, I haven't watched WWE and like, I can't even tell you the last time. Um, I'm comfortable in saying nothing has changed since triple H took over in as much as the champions are the same. The roster is the same. He brought in some new mid carters. I mean, he just brought in the NXT guys, right? He did his call that Vince got rid of. 
but like Roman still has two world titles for some reason. Um, I don't know what's going on with the United States title, but that's been an afterthought. The Intercontinental is still uh, Walter, isn't it? Yep. The tag division is just repetitive as ever. The women's division is insignificant. I don't know, man. I it, It's the same. The few uh, like, cards are, are identical. No, the, a couple people have moved down, but that's basically it. Um, I mean, you mentioned them earlier. Kevin Owens as a world champion. Um, even like Cody as a champion doesn't really do anything for me. So I don't really know. But I mean, even the women's division, it's like he's not trying anybody new. They're not doing anything that's like remotely interesting. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know. I'm just. I'm just not into the WWE product. And I am at the point now where I'm just like, I don't know if I ever will be again. And I'm okay with that. It's just um, even the idea of like doing a fucking gimmick pay-per-view where it's like earlier this year, uh, our little circle did the Royal Rumble. And it was like, oh, we'll get shit faced and watch the Royal Rumble. I was like, I, that there, there could be some fun in that. I wanted to run my head through a wall almost immediately. So the idea of even doing a Royal Rumble or a WrestleMania, it's like even that's lost its luster, dude. Like they have to make some huge changes and that's reflected in their ratings. Like I I know that they're going up against football and the World Series right now, but uh, I don't know if you've got the numbers in front of you, but their ratings have been really rough, specifically the Fox ones. And I don't think there's enough talk about that. That. That's SmackDown rating for the World Series. I mean, everybody expects you to get hurt. They got crippled. That was like legitimately 40% down pretty much. Like it... Which is like, yeah, like the the people are quick to say that it was on a different network, which yes, that's true. But WWE is down to their core audience that watches habitually no matter what. They will follow it anywhere. It doesn't matter. It's been like the ratings have been very steady. If it dips for a week, it goes right back up. Them dipping down to the threes on SmackDown is insane. By comparison, we had AEW also against the World Series, and they, I mean, they dipped as expected, but it was 10%. You're talking about last night? Yeah. Well, last night, even I was kind of like, I was looking at Twitter because there was a fucking no hitter. In the World Series. I thought I had no hitter in the World Series and it only dipped 10%. Right. That's a huge win. And AEW's audience is like very quick to just be on like, oh, something big is going on. Yeah, watch this later. Like total viewership will be the same five days later. But yeah, AEW held on tremendously well, which was a huge statement. And SmackDown got absolutely crippled. It's it's wild. Which yeah, does mean the phase is officially officially over. I mean, I think it's been over for a while. But yeah, then we knew that they were running into a buzzsaw with football. Them going on the World Series, yes, that's also going to hurt. 
I mean, these numbers will likely bump up again. WWE fans, the ones that are remaining, are incredibly loyal. The things that they like, it, they're coming back. Cody's coming back. Sasha Banks will be coming back. There's there's some touchstone stuff that they will like. I don't want to say lie to themselves, but they will convince themselves like, oh, things are going to get better because the the stars are back. But in reality, there's no fucking stars. I mean, we're John Cena coming back for Survivor Series, something along those lines. Like we we can do stuff to just like get people short term excited. Like I think that's only going to work on people with goldfish brains, though. And I think a lot of people who don't lie to themselves are just really quickly going to be like, "There's there's not a lot of substance here." And I've been watching the same episode of Raw and SmackDown for months. Under the promise that Triple H was going to make everything better. I don't know, man. I I don't know. Um, want to talk about fight? Yeah. Big, last big update. So, GCW has been teasing for a while, getting a streaming deal. Um, they laid into the whole Peacock thing heavy and ran their little Twitter games about it. It was obviously never the case. But as expected, they moved to Fight Plus. That was always what was going to happen. It's not a surprise. This was really predictable. But they are officially on Fight Plus. Their whole back catalog's there, which means their business model's changed because it's no longer pay-per-view for the events. It's a monthly subscription service, which is starting, starting, and I'm going to say this very carefully, starting at $5 a month because that's how subscription services work. You get the very low buy-in, and then a year later, you jack up the price, and you keep going from there. So they'll start at 5 bucks, and then a year from now, it's going to go to $8.99, and then $9.99, and then $12.99. And you creep it up from there. But right now, it's 5 bucks a month. GCW is there. Black Label Pro is moving over. Defy is joining. And uh, Pro Wrestling Revolver is also joining. So there are a decent amount of indie promotions that are hopping onto this Fight Plus subscription train. Um, it also has most of the archive, like uh, BKFC things, so the bare knuckle thing that Gay Transant did. Right. Um, I think the reason it's like similar to Impact. The bare knuckle thing that Paige Van Zant did. Now we're getting the explicit tag. Well, I didn't even talk about that. Sure, man. Moving you know, on. Just gonna get there first, but. Uh, So is there is there a date on Defy joining? I don't have a date on them yet, no. Uh, so far, GCW's entire catalog's there. Uh, looks like Pro Wrestling Revolver's entire catalog's there because they were both already on fight as, like, pay-per-event things. Right. Black Label Pro has nothing moved over yet. There's only one event. And last I checked, I don't think Defy's there yet, so I don't know the date, but it is, like, it's coming. Defy's the only one out of that group where I'm like, okay, there might be something there, but they don't run like incredibly regular. Like, no, no. it's like maybe once a month. Um, yeah, move West Coast Pro over now. We're talking, dude. Uh, and actually, like, a little update I canceled IWTV this week. I, um, I a month ago, too. I, I was just like, I don't, it's oh, like I'm there's like West Coast Pro, and that's it. I was literally all I was watching it for, and if I try hard enough, I can find that show. Like, <laughs> yeah. Um. So as far as like, I thought AAW was going to be part of that too, 
I don't know what happened to that, but the early rumblings was that um, this is only a few days old. Yeah. I mean, if this service has AAW and defy, I'm like, that's, that's pretty interesting because it's, it's just the monthly fee and you get all of it. Yeah. So. All right, let's just get into it. Uh, I think that this is a terrible decision for game changer. Because I think they're about to lose a shit ton of money. I think they had a group of loyal fans who would pay the, what, 30, 40 bucks every weekend to watch multiple shows. I know a lot of people went on the high seas to find GCW shows and that a good chunk of their fans just pirated. But dude, like, they're splitting like was it six bucks, like twenty different ways. I don't know. I don't know. WWE took a like an absolute beating, and this is not even apples and oranges. This is like a huge example compared to something extremely minuscule. Like this is very niche compared to WWE. But whenever they launched the network, they took an absolute bath. For years and years and years, the WWE Network was never profitable for them. It was always an experiment and an extension of doing something to get away from the pay-per-view model. I think GCW is going to lose a shit ton of money. And I'm really, really interested to see where they go from here because, I mean, I some people aren't going to like it. And I don't think it's just me being a doomsayer. But this this could very likely be the end if they're not careful. Absolutely. Like, they're going to have to go out of their way. Like, I think the one thing that could save them through a financial trouble of just, like, not having that consistent pay-per-view money coming in would be the thing that they just do not do, and that's consistent booking and storytelling. They can do it for a month or two, but long-term stories just are not there are not there. And I have no reason to believe that it's going to start. Um, I don't know. I'm just, if I'm, if I'm game, if I'm a game changer fan, I'm cautiously optimistic and I would be a little bit worried about this. Um, as far as everyone else, I don't think hog or revolver were doing great business. Um, I would assume that that would be pretty negligible. Um, anyone else that's going to be on this? I mean, Defy, I'm so interested in their business model. If they took, they had their own streaming service. And I mean, we were at one point, I mean, all the cards on the table, we were talking about potentially splitting that between the two of us. But even that was way too steep because they don't run consistently. So it makes me wonder how many people were actually paying for that service. There's no reason for them to open up about their books, but I'm very interested to know how excited they were to sign up for this. But yeah. Do you have any big thoughts on this? I feel like I'm trying to like stretch out a bunch of time so you can save your voice. Yeah. I think the only really interesting thing to to me is if there are going to be other jumpers over from IWTV because we only have room for so many independent streaming services in the market and who knows? We'll see where that goes. 
Well, I did see that Prestige has re-upped with them. I would assume Game Changer would keep that going because again, it's like it's basically just the Game Change or sorry, the uh, uh, West Coast Pro app for me. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a couple other niche ones. I'll always check out a nice tournament. That's just that's what I am. I'm right up there with Torney Con. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. I just I. I find myself, which is funny, like since we started a wrestling podcast, we're like, we're going to talk about everything. I have whittled down like what I fucking watch where I'm just like, okay, the indies, give it to me. And I'm like, this indie fucking sucks. We're done. Yeah, this one sucks. <laughs> this one runs every three months. You're done. Dude, it's uh, I, I, I really think WrestleMania weekend killed it for us. So yeah, the yeah. Oh man. That's a lot. So yeah, so like just just the idea of having multiple independent I mean, it's going to be easier than ever to find stuff. And if indie wrestling ever pops off and we're in the golden era of indie wrestling and there's you know, what you could have both of those for less than 20 bucks, that's a great deal. But indie wrestling kind of fucking sucks right now so i don't i don't really know uh it's not gonna be me anything else you want to talk about before we scoot no i think we've covered more than expected for how quiet it i know i just don't want to end on a, such a bummer note of just being like and the indies suck well then let's end on the thought of katsuyori shibata and orange cassidy friday on rampage in atlantic city because that's fucking insane I'm so excited for that. So what else has been announced for that show? Because we've got the uh, Atlantic Championship. Yeah, so we've got... Ricky Starks, from uh, what I hear. Starks is speaking. Um, I think it's Britt and Hater against Sky Blue and Madison Rain. We know Mike Tyson is going to be on commentary. That's so wild. So, it's going to be him and Jericho and JR. Yeah. That is a wild pairing. Um, but I think that... That may be all that's announced. I'm going to take another look here in case there's something I'm forgetting. I think I think um, that's they're it. Gonna, they're going to announce more people for for the tournament for yeah. to meet at full gear, of course. But yeah, that's all that's announced. We've got two matches. The two matches. Ricky Starks and Mike Tyson existing. Let's it. Let's end with a little prediction. They're doing a little tourney. Um, who are the finalists in this full gear tournament? Shit's dire, right? See, originally I thought it was going to be Danielson and Yuta, but Danielson's probably beating Shibata right away, so I don't know anymore. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if Ethan Page is one of the finalists. That's exactly where I was going to go. And and it would have to be a big name against him, too. Ah. Too early for starts because he's got the TNT thing with with Hogs coming up. Like I guess it could be Claudio. Hangman? If he's cleared, absolutely that's possible. He's I think well, I, but 
I th- I think he's going to be back sooner rather than later. Oh, yeah. but it I, sounds like he healed really, like he's doing really well. I think they got so much praise out of how they handled the situation yeah. that they're going to wait a little bit yeah. longer in bringing him back. Yeah. And I would assume that he's off the, the board until after yeah. full year. Yeah, but I mean, he's gets to spend some time with his young kid. That's not the worst thing in the world. So, hey, good for him. Can we do Malachi? Potentially. And set up Malachi Moxley for Winter is Coming? You could do that. You could... I guess you could do Miro returning. It'd be a quick rise, but a tournament's a way to get him in that picture. What do we do with that? Miro Mox? Miro MJF? Is he a credible... Fuck, it's going to be Ethan Page winning this thing, isn't it? That's what I mean. I think it might be Ethan Page winning. I just don't know who's big enough that you put him up against. But that's kind of... I mean, Miro's a former TNT champion. He had a pretty good tear where he was... Like, he's got a pretty good track record. It's it's plausible. Um, Malachi would kind of make sense, but I feel like whatever they're doing, it's going to be more focused on the entire house and the trio's pitcher. Um, I got it. Ethan Page versus Sasha Banks. Okay. Book it! All right, that's it. That's the show. Until next time. We're the Bingo Hall Boys. I think we went a little too long. <laughs> Ha, 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 ha.